Hey, Mr. Sambo, it's slow. Come for fun for the summer. I book a new room because they shut down the other. So grab your things in jam for a dollar. The people love banging when I don't try to cover. So I'm We're going live. Let's do it live. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. You just said it on live air. J.A. And look at him embarrassed. J.A. journalists. Should we redo it? Should we leave it? Should we end the broadcast or what? No, we're going to roll it. J.A. with the red face. When I said we're going live, folks, we are going live. That's Justin Ayers. That's Jack Connell. My two boys, partners in crime. Two studs here, not for long media, helping keep this thing together as much as uh, – uh, just like the rest of our group here, not for long media, an awesome team. We have a lot to do with these guys, assembled a lot by those guys too. So thank you guys so much for all you do, first off. And thank you to our friends over at Psalm Sleep. 10% off if you use the promo code Colin, C-O-L-I-N. 10% off Psalm Sleep if you use the promo code Colin. Listen, this is not an advertisement. It is, but it isn't. This changed my life. I've said it before. I've got people text me all the time now. Is it for real? Is it for real? It's for real, folks. It's changed my life. We were just talking about sleep and quality of sleep. But these two gentlemen here and how important it is, especially, you know, for anybody, but in our world, professional athletes, you know, organizations invest a lot of money into us. And they're have a lot of suggestions about how to sleep better. Blackout shades, having a fan putting your phone in another room, put your phone across the room so you can't reach it. And one of the things that's a part of my sleep routine and that they suggested is, you know, something with magnesium in it to calm you down. And that is Psalm Sleep. It is unbelievable. Check them out. Get Psalm Sleep, promo code Colin, C-O-L-I-N, 10% off every time you order from Psalm Sleep. Check out our friends at SeatGeek, guys. Lots going on this time of year in baseball, but we all know what's ahead. Football season. We're going to get into that with these two gentlemen here. Check out our friends over at SeatGeek. Use promo code Colin Thompson. I think it's 20 bucks. excuse me, off your order over $50. So check them out. Promo code Colin Thompson on SeatGeek. Shout out to the GOAT, the original Fudge Kitchen. We got some people down there this week. They're going to be asking some funny uh, shout out to Rossi and Jay Brad. Getting down the beach, asking the tough questions uh, in front of Fudge Kitchen. Uh, including showing people my uh, my picture, I think, or my my uh, what's the word? My biopic, guys. They're going to be asking, I believe, who is number eighty six on the Carolina Panthers is going to be legitimate. We had printer issues. I think was the big thing. We Rossi tried to draw a picture of you, but it wasn't very photo accurate. So we just went with print. We just the guess of the number. There is no printed availability. How about what what NFL player does NF, the Fudge Kitchen? Sponsor. I think both could, I think both could work. I mean, I don't know. I think that's the question. I think that's the question. So you like a courtroom sketch artist in there to, to do Colin. Is that is that what we're doing? I'm I'm curious to see how many of them get we're gonna guess Greg Olson. I feel like 90% of the answers, the people that will actually give an answer will say Greg Olson. I don't think they'll even be able to get I'll be impressed if one of them says Ian or Tommy, to be honest with you, the jersey short. That'll be I'd be I'd be impressed with that. It would be, it would be impressive, no doubt about it. Absolutely, no doubt about it. Just like our friends over at the Fudge Kitchen, they're impressive with their fudge shipping across the country. FudgeKitchens.com. No better way to bring the Jersey Shore to somebody. Maybe that couldn't make it this year, or is under the weather, or made it this year and forgot to pick up some fudge. They're the best. FudgeKitchens.com shipping fudge 
and sweet treats across the country. So we're doing a live today. It's great to have the boys here. A lots of breaking news that we broke last week. Ah, geez. Harry Mays and Jason Martinez is, join, is joining us, uh, as well as our friends with Bourbon with Friends, Paul and Connor. And they have a new addition to their, their team as well. So lots going on and off for Long Media. Make sure you guys check out our newest podcast, Aji's and Bourbon with Friends. Tons going on there. Also, a tradition unlike any other, Justin Ayers coming down to, not for, coming down to Carolina Panthers training camp. And now Jack in the back will be joining him. Jack, your first flight. Are you excited? Are you nervous? I know you're nervous, but are you excited? I don't really get nervous. I mean, if you couldn't tell at this point from all that, I don't get nervous ever, really. Like, I mean, literally the only sense of nervousness I had wasn't even nervousness. I When you were on Sh- uh, Shameless Plug, the Ross Tucker podcast, that you were talking about training camp and, like, the two-a-days, that, like, brought back flashbacks of nervousness to me. For That's, like, the only thing I've ever really been nervous for in my life was, like, two-a-days in training camp in high school. Flights is nothing to me. That I'm not even worried about the flight. Your first flight, Jack in the back, flying out a beautiful Trenton Airport, which is great. It's a quick little airport, so it'll be good for your first flight. You get down to Charlotte, and uh, everything will be excellent. Before we move forward, though, I, I forgot to shout out and bury the lead. Sean Latham is joining us today. Formerly twenty dollars chef, still twenty dollars chef, but formerly a Barstool Sports twenty dollars chef comic, just an absolute character. Excuse me, love Sean, great guy. And love having him on. Him and I just chopped it up. We were just BSing. He's in some courtyard drinking a beer. Had him on the pod for, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes. And, you know, just laid back. Cool conversation. Sean and I are going to do some work together. Not for long media, actually, down uh, when I'm on vacation in the off season. I know that's another thing. These guys don't even know about it yet. But more fun, exciting stuff here. Not for long media. And it's great to have Sean kind of, you know, a you know, not a part of the team per se, but, you know, friend of the show joining again for the second time. He's one of our biggest episodes here. So check out Sean. Our second episode overall was with Sean, I believe second. And then uh, again, this episode, whatever episode number we're on now, uh, Sean is joining us again. A great guy. So Sean Latham really enjoy this, you know, comic just character will be joining us here after this segment uh, that we have going on. So J.A. is coming down to training camp. Jack in the back is coming down to training camp. Jay, what are you excited for coming down to training camp this year? Well, yeah. Well, when you said a tradition unlike any other, it really threw me for a loop there, but it is. I think this is actually the thing that people most think about when they hear the tradition unlike any other. Uh, I'm excited to just get back down there. Year two is going to be a lot more different because I know what I'm doing this time, and I know where to stand, and I know where not to stand, and I know how long I'm supposed to be filming practice for and when I'm supposed to stop. Um so that was fun, but you know, and just seeing some of the guys that I got to talk to last year a little bit, say hi to the gang again, all, all my pals down there. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, I'm always excited. It's my favorite week of the year coming up, so it'll be a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun, and it's something really cool that we do here, getting you guys down there. It's something I take great pride in, and something I'm really proud of. Tristan is like a you know a small business owner, like having your boys come down and cover practice. You know, two guys that mean a lot to me. Our whole staff does. I wish I could fly everybody down, but for your two roles and what you guys do, you guys are perfect to do it. Jack, what are you excited for? Just being there, I guess. Like, this is pretty much my first major credentialed event, practice, anything. So just being in the mix, seeing all this stuff live, you know. I've only been to one NFL game before, so a practice, being intimate, up close to that, being able to watch that would be pretty cool. That's That's awesome. That's good stuff, man. That's what it's all about. That's that's what make, that makes me happy. 
uh, that we get to you know provide that. But just just excited for you guys to get to enjoy that. We're gonna have a lot of content. We were talking earlier. You know, we there's some big name guys on our team. You know, looking to land a couple interviews with them. Uh, looking to land a couple short interviews after practice on Friday. This is gonna happen this week. The guys are coming down. It's crazy. A couple days. Um, yeah, we did last year, kind of like, you know, compile some things together and some quick hitters and get guys for four or five minutes after practice. It's going to be hot. So guys want to get inside. We got to get them in. We got to get them out. It's fun. I do some interviews. You guys can do some interviews. Um, so it's going to be a great time. And then we have a night practice on that Saturday, you know, which you guys will just going to get some good content for and hang out and interact with fans and do all that stuff. It's going to be really cool. So expect a lot to sit on our social media from it. Expect a lot. From the podcast perspective, Jack and Justin are kind of going to maybe do a little YouTube series type thing, talking about their experience with it. So uh, really excited for what's to come without a training camp. Uh, lots of good stuff. I just loaded about 10 to 15 podcasts between training camp and everything I just recorded. Uh, ready to roar, ready to roll, ready to roll, ready to roll, as the great Stu Finer would say from Barstool. Um for the next couple of weeks, you know, I shouldn't say 10 to 15, probably next 10 weeks we have covered of interviews with NFL players, personalities, military members. Um, so really excited for you guys to enjoy that moving forward. Uh, lots, you know, lots to look forward to. You're not for long media and really thankful for our team making it done. Okay, boys, where do we want to start off? Should I start off with the bar of the week? I mean, I could start off with something a little unique that I didn't even tell you about beforehand, Colin. How about we do that? It's your show, Jack. What do you got? So I think we have a bone to pick with Electronic Arts. Madden released their ratings for the upcoming Madden 2023 this year. And I have found upon, before the release, your Madden 23 rating. And it's safe to say, I don't, I'm not a fan of it. Would you guys like to guess before I reveal your Madden rating? I'm gonna 99. Put, okay. I was going to say, I want to make Justin do it and make him a little awkward here. <laughs> He's a nine. He's a ninety nine. This is like when your wife asks you, "How do you? How do I look tonight?" You two aren't married yet, but you will. And your wife's going to say, "How do I look?" And you're going to say, "You look great." Great. Ninety nine. Uh, Justin says ninety nine. He says, "I look great." We're going to leave it there, Jay. Yeah. No, what's your guess, Jay? Seriously, is it is it like a is it in the sixties? Is it like a sixty eight? I can't say. I can't say. I'm going to say. I'm going to say. Because uh, Tim, I'm going to say sixty five. Jay, your final your final guess? 68. So you were both over. Colin was only a 59. Oh. Oh. The disrespect. What was Incredible I last year? Respect. I was better last year. It was I, I I'm gonna go up to EA myself and raise hell. I'm just it's the good thing <laughs> is nobody plays Madden anymore. So nobody's even gonna see it. Nobody likes Madden anymore. Everyone's it's waiting for NBA football and everybody's waiting for NFL 2K to come back. I'll so, say this. I'll say this. I'm okay with it. I'm happy with it. That's fantastic news to me. I remember a couple of years ago, my Madden Random came out. I was like jacked. It was like just everything was 55 or whatever it was or 56. And I'm like, let's go. You know? So like, yeah, I guess I'm a little bummed. I wish it was a little bit higher. But like at the end of the day, like I'm in the game. So that's pretty freaking cool. And I'm very humbled to say that. Trust me. So yeah, that's good stuff, Jack. I think my score was better last year. Now, the funny thing was, I remember when I was playing NCAA football 14, like years ago, they would always update the rosters. And the last one I had, I think, was your senior year at Temple. And it was like the most downloaded roster of like all of the world for NCAA football. And you were an 80. So that's got to be, that's something good you can reflect on. You were the 80 Temple overall. Football was the most downloaded roster? 
Yeah, you could. That was like the whole like it's still alive to this day. NCAA fourteen, like people will make rosters, and well, like of the entire NCAA. I'll say this: in two thousand that two thousand fourteen game, if you just let the game go and just played story mode, I won the Mackey Award almost every year for Florida. <laughs> I had people come up be on the street like, "Dude, you won the Mackey." I'm like, "What? I'm not, <laughs> even, I'm not even playing. I played ten stats last year, Florida. I'm transferring." It's like, dude, every year you win the Mackey for the video game. I'm like, oh, that's good. I wish it was real life, but I appreciate it. What do you got, Jay? Uh, so I found your like detailed breakdown. Guess what category you're the highest ranked in? I bet it's my speed. Release. That's up there. No, it's actually injury. You're an 86. So you're durable, I think. That's good. Oh, yeah, 89 means you're insanely durable. So it's good. Your speed is a 71 and your acceleration is a 79. So you got breakaway speed, it sounds like. I can get up and move and I just can't. I didn't realize you had motor like that, dude. That's fantastic. Hey, it's, the injury. it's the white cleats. I think so. White cleats. I never gets hurt. So oh, take note. Man, knock on wood. That's uh, that's good stuff out of you, Jack and Dust. That's a fantastic surprise here to start the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Madden rating, thank you. Uh, also, Madden, thank you for the check. We get a check every year from them for being in the game. So thank you. Um, we appreciate you. And that goes right back into the podcast. So you guys can say thank you, Madden. Thank you, man. There you go. <laughs> Not for the overall ranking, but just for everything. Just for everything. So awesome stuff. I love that, Jack. That caught me off guard. It was really good. All right. So the bar of the week this week is the CVUN in Cape May, New Jersey. It is just a local pub, corner pub, one of the oldest bars, if not the oldest bar in Cape May, New Jersey. It's fantastic. It's open year round. It's busy in the wintertime in February. It's packed in the summer the wings are fantastic the beers are cold the bartenders are great the locals in there are fantastic it's a local place where you got a mix of some tourism with the jersey shore vibe but also just an awesome place huge eagles bar huge ravens bar great philly sports bar so the ratings on the sea view in in cape man new jersey we're going to go service the servers the bartenders are fantastic. Full disclosure, some of my buddies are those bartenders. So five out of five with the bartenders. When it comes to cold beer, I'm going to go four out of five. It's not a nice, but it's still a cold beer. When it comes to the food and the overall ambiance, I'm going to go with a four out of five. The wings are the best wings in South Jersey, I think. The ambiance is cool. It's a, it's a clean dive bar atmosphere. So we're going to go a four out of five there. And then last but not least, what is the other one, boys? I'm drawing a blank. Ambiance, TV, beer, um, food. So I think that's it. Is it it? We're going to have to edit the clip for social media here. So we're going to go four out of five. (laughs) What are we doing here? I'm really striking out. I'm striking out. I'm forgetting our fourth one. Ambiance, TV, beer, and food. No, we're missing it. And service. So ambiance and food. I'm going to restart the whole thing because this is this is this is this, you know big J journalist here. By the way, I called out some people on Twitter this week for being a big J journalist. Okay, ambiance. There we go. Sorry, guys. TV, beer. This is just real life stuff, folks. Stuff happens on the Pat McAfee show. This is what happens. Ambiance. We're doing it live. Ambiance, TV, beer, servers, service. Okay. 
Our of the week this week and not for long media, Colin Thompson show is the CVUN Cayman, New Jersey. I love the place. Fantastic hometown bar. It's one of the oldest, if not the oldest bar in Cayman, New Jersey. It's really cool vibe in there. Great bartenders, great servers. Everyone's local. They work their ass off. They're great people. The food is great. It's top shelf bar food. The wings are always voted the best wings in South Jersey. I think they're some of the best wings I've ever had, period. They're fantastic. Love their cheesesteaks. Love their chicken cheesesteaks. Love their crab cake sandwich. Love their specials. They love their soups. They do a killer job. The CVUN, K-May, New Jersey, New Jersey, is the bar of the week on the Colin Thompson Show. The overall ambiance and food is really good. Is really good. So I'm going to go with a four out of five on the ambiance and food. The TVs, I'm going to give it a three out of five, which is a solid score. You guys know I'm I'm tough with these scores. I'm going to give it a three out of five on the TVs. On the beer, I'm going to give it a four out of five. They're not a nice, so they're not a five out of five. But, hey, it's still a pretty good rating, as you guys know. There's only a few five out of fives on the beer scale. And then the service, like I said before, I'm friends with a lot of the bartenders and the servers, but they're really good at their job. They're great people. They work extremely hard. So I'm going to go with a five out of five on the service. They kill it. They buzz around. They do a great job. It's a great Eagles bar. It's a great Ravens bar. It's a great Philadelphia sports bar, and it's a year-round spot. So Colin Thompson show bar of the week is the CVUN. The overall score, four on the ambiance, three on the TV, four on the beer, five on the service. If I can do that math, and hopefully I can do it, we're going to go with a nine, let's see, nine, 12, 16 for the bar of the week. And not for long media, the CVUN. So good stuff uh, from the CVUN. My math is good there, boys, correct? Off the top of my head, yeah. I, I believe that was accurate. If not, yeah. we'll catch that. We'll have an updated math total in the clips. Yes, we're good. Everything's excellent. I'm warming up. I thought I was good, but hey, the you know, I'm not fatigued. I'm not podcast fatigued by any means, but you know, I'm getting to that point. I'm ready for football season to happen. I'm ready to shut this puppy down. <laughs> Okay, Jack, Justin, there's been a lot going on in sports, believe it or not, off the field, probably, I think it's safe to say, you know, Kevin Durant's on the move, there's drama in the NFL, there's things being done in cities that people aren't happy with. Jack, what do you got from what's going on in Philadelphia that people are in an uproar about? So last week, the Philadelphia 76ers announced that they were planning to build a $1.3 billion stadium straight in the heart of Center City in the Fashion District. It would be completely funded by the 76ers, titled 76th place. It would replace Wells Fargo. It would be built in 2031. And it would be the Sixers' new stadium moving forward, taking them out of the iconic stadium complex, putting them right in the city. People are very much opposed to this. Colin and I are very pro. Put it there. Move it. It's all going to be fine and dandy. People, of course, out in Lancaster, Allentown, are in uproars about the traffic stipulations, all that sort of stuff. But... Fully funded by Josh Harris and David Blitzer. Planned to, if it's approved, it would be in 2031. It is their second attempted site in Philadelphia. They tried out in the Navy Yard. They were declined. So hope is that it is done and improved and they can start making progress there and try to bring life in the fashion district. Uh, great job, Jack, and great reporting out of you. Great tweet, by the way, and we had a lot of responses off that. I'm going to send it over to J.A. because J.A. is a, you know, is a Baltimore – is a DC sports fan. He's a DMV guy through and through. 
Camden Yards, downtown Baltimore. Uh, Washington, the Nationals ballpark is in a great area, the Navy Yard. Uh, downtown, the Capital One Arena, I think it is, for the for the uh, Caps, right downtown. Uh, so, again, he gets it. He understands it. And then you have a place like FedEx Field, which is not downtown. So, J.A., from your experience and your opinion, what are your thoughts on, you know, vice, you know, having one downtown, having it remote or having a stadium right in the heart of a city? I think having a stadium in like the heart of the city just makes you feel like it's more of an experience when you go to a game. Like when I go to Caps and Wizards games at Capital One, it's it's in Chinatown. You take the metro, you get out, you're you're there. You When the game gets out, you go across the street to Rocket Bar, shout out, and you just hang out. It's like a full, cool, like, you know, experience. of It's a great time. When you go to like a, a Sixers game, and I've been to Flyers games before, it's you're in a parking lot and then, you know, maybe you go to Xfinity live and you hang out and, you know, wander around there for a little bit, but then you, you get out and then it's just a nightmare because everybody's trying to funnel out of two exits. So it's like, it does, it feels, I don't know. It, the experience is kind of lessened when you're just having to like wander around this giant parking lot and figure out where you're parked. Like, I don't know. It's like, I don't understand why people are all up in arms about this in Philly. I think it's in a great part of town. Um, and you know, they've, they're trying to put it above a Metro station or whatever that's already there. So, uh, I'm all for it. But yeah, and then when you have places like FedEx that don't have a metro and it's just you have to everybody has to drive there, it's not great. Jack, what are your thoughts and reasons why you like it or don't like it? So I'm a big fan of it. Like I've, I've always had the drive down to the Sixers games, whatever, because even taking the train or whatever, it's it's possible, but it's a very big pain for the suburbs. Almost every single person I've talked to from the outer suburbs of Philadelphia have had the exact same collective thought. Colin even tweeted it as well. All of the train stations up here connect to Jefferson Station, which is right by Reading Terminal Market, about two blocks away from the stadium. And every kid that's from like 25 under, and even parents that want to take their kids there, all love it because SEPTA is going to get all SEPTA, which is the transportation down here, will get everything in line. And they're going to, it's going to be so easy to take the train and just go right down, probably like a 45 minute train ride right to the stadium. And then if you want to pour out after, you could go out, drink, whatever, take your train. You don't have to worry about partying too hard and worrying about how to get Uber back. You can just take the train right back. Like, it'll be – it's a lot of people up here are fans of it. And I've seen people complain about traffic, and it's really not going to be an issue. Because even if you really wanted to drive, anybody up here, you could literally just take 611 straight into Broad Street, straight down if you really want to drive down here. And you're right Independence Hall, and you're right there. Like it's not big of an issue one way or another in terms of traffic and the traffic's always going to be bad one way or another. It's never going to get any better. It's never going to get any worse. People just, I don't know why people are like, so an uproar about it. I don't really see the issues. So there's a lot to unpack here and my opinion is coming, but I'm going to lay some groundwork before I, I, I do that. So I took the train from Doylestown into Philly, uh, consistently, consistently. Uh, and, I loved it. You know, I have started really full transparency. I started our media company through that. I took the train down I, and I worked for an hour on the train on my laptop open. I just grinded on just different things and listened to shows and just started the base of it. So I'm going to do a little lap around Philly to where the train goes to. Okay. And for people to understand where majority of the Sixers fans are driving in from. Okay. The train is fantastic. It is accessible. It is easy. They have Wi-Fi. Like it is not. This isn't the subway, folks. I'm going to make it clear for people at home. This is the train where most people are going to be coming from to come to the game. If not, it's going to reinvigorate the city because people are going to come down from the city, which is awesome. Hop on the subway and just walk over to the game. Awesome stuff. 
So I'm going to start east, go north, go west, and go south. A full loop around the stadium. This is where the trains go. All the way to Atlantic City through Haddonfield to downtown. All the way from Trenton, all the way down the river, all the way through Ben Salem to downtown. West Trenton, connecting through Elkins Park, going downtown. Doylestown, connecting through Lansdale, Glenside, Warminster to downtown. That's where I'm from. Took that many a times. Chestnut Hill East, Chestnut Hill West, Norristown, Thorndale, Media PA, Newark, Delaware. You could also get on the Amtrak from D.C. and Baltimore, get off at Newark, and take the, the local train up and or take it to Philly and then just hop the, the rail over, which you would do, the subway, excuse me, or walk. It's like four blocks from downtown, from like the heart of downtown. And then the airport. So if you want to fly in and you want to go to the Sixers game, you can literally fly in, get on the, the train at the airport and go right to the Sixers game. So I digress on that subject. And I'm going to address a tweet from my boy, TJ Kuhar, who I went to high school with. Great guy, great friend, had good times in college together, down the shore, great dude. So TJ tweets, Kyle, I'm against it, and I'm playing devil's advocate here. Why do you think it's going to be big for the city? The stadiums are already in Philly. The subway is out front of Wells Fargo for people who want to access Center City. I think public transportation sounds good in theory, but log logistically could be a nightmare. Some people have an hour train ride, and then they have to get in their car and drive home from the train station, and hopefully that makes changes uh, hopefully they make changes to accommodate it. So I'm going to address the the initial statement. Why do you think it's big for the city? It is massive, massive, massive for the city of Philadelphia. So there's a lot of needs in the city. And jobs is probably one of them, right? The amount of jobs this would create, which then that money from those people that would be working to put back in their neighborhoods and to you know, to, to be philanthropic with, or to, you know, whatever that may be, they're going to, people are going to do with that money, feed their family, let kids go to school, you know, whatever that it is to advance their family through those jobs. That's the number one thing to me, the jobs that it's going to create and not at the stadium. I'm not talking about people cleaning the stadium. I'm not talk, talk, talking about ushers. I'm talking about the commerce that's going to be done in the city because you're going to need more people to work the trains. You're going to, have to need more people to work public transportation. You're going to need more police officers to make sure everyone's safe and healthy. You're going to need more uh, bartenders, servers. You're going to need more Uber drivers. You're going to need more. All that's going to have to happen if that goes in the city. What happens down in South Philly is always going to continue to go on. That's always going to be there. Eagles are going to be there. The Flyers are going to be there. Who knows what goes on there? But March Madness is going to happen there. That's another thing to talk about, too. It makes Philly a hub now for March Madness, having those two arenas to play games in. It could be absolutely massive for the city economically there. It creates jobs on top of jobs on top of jobs, which gives people opportunity through money to do good with it, raise their family, support them, all the things that come with that. Take their kids to games. It has a lasting effect on the city of Philadelphia. So to me, I think it's a win-win number one for that. To go to a game, to walk out, to go to McGillan's, have drinks, to go to dinner, it's huge for business in Philly for, for people, you know, when you're, you're doing business, you want to take a you know a client to a game. That's massive. Um, to get on a train, to bounce into town, 
to go to a game, to go to dinner, like go to a show, whatever that may be, it's huge for the family. It's huge for hotels. It's huge for all the mom and pops all through that city. Philadelphia's got great mom and pop restaurants and right. Chain restaurants can make it because they have bigger budgets. Well, help the, help the little guy out. You put the stadium in, you put, you're helping a lot of people out. So running terminal market market, which is all local people, local vendors, they almost didn't make it through the pandemic. Well, what do you think that stadium is going to do for running terminal market? So, to answer TJ's first question, what it's going to do for the city, it's going to be absolutely massive. I tell the story all the time about Charlotte. Last year, we put the turf in on the field, and I was bummed, just like a lot of the players that played in the great grass that we had in Carolina, awesome grass field. Turf doesn't feel as good. It's, you know, you, there's more of an injury risk on turf. So, you know, everyone's bummed about it. But what it's done for the city of Charlotte, last year they had three games in a row, three straight days. They had uh, the kickoff, I think it was week zero or week one of college football. Clemson and Georgia played uh, Saturday night. I think Duke played ECU and Charlotte played App State or somewhere they got mixed up in there. But they played Thursday, Friday, Saturday. How much money do you think that made public transportation? It made Ubers. It made bartenders, servers, people that work at the airport. It made all the hotels all the local businesses that are trying to get out of COVID and the fact that, Hey, you can be downtown Charlotte, walk right to the game. They don't have a tailgating atmosphere at our games. There's some places to tailgate, but there's really not. It's more of a place to go into a game and basketball is not really like a tailgate sport, right? Like plus if you're in the city, all those bars and restaurants will be built up around there. You'll be able to go into and have a great time. So just the amount of money it's going to make for a lot of people that need it. Um, I think is absolutely massive and the ripple effect is huge. It outweighs the cons times 10. So if someone can't park their car and then sit in 25 minutes of traffic trying to get back to 95 or leave the game early to sit in a little bit of traffic. Like it's just, to me, it takes the same amount of time for you to walk out of there, walk to the train, wait for the train, get on the train, go 45 minutes to an hour home and then drive 10 minutes to your house. Like it takes another 15 minutes and you're on public transportation and you didn't have to worry about parking. You don't have to worry about anything. So it's a win-win. Like you said, I think public transportation, um, you know, sounds good in theory, but it could be logistically a nightmare. Well, some people are going to drive in like Jack said. You can drive in and park and go to your go to that one restaurant that's maybe five, ten blocks away, and then just either walk or catch an Uber back to that restaurant after the game and then just drive home from there. So they're still parking the city. There's still parking garages all around the city. You don't have to park right at the stadium and walk in. Hey, park at your, your favorite place and walk over. So I think it's an absolute win-win. I, I talked about a lot of things there, but to me, it's a win-win uh, for the city. I hope it happens. I think people will rally around the Sixers more. I think people will rally around Philly sports teams more. Have you ever been to Madison Square Garden and you pull up to that place and you walk and look at your eyes pop? You're like, this is so cool. Everyone's merging onto it. It's a vibe. You come out of there and you're just jacked. You know, even though you, just to be a part of that crowd, if you ever go to Fenway Park, it's like the most unique thing in the world. You're like in the city and here's a ballpark and there's people everywhere and it's just a vibe. Wrigleyville in Chicago where Wrigley Field is, is this amazing place that – they like built a city around the stadium, right? Not but not the other way around. So I I like South Philly. I think it's cool. Don't get me wrong. They're all there. I played a lot of college football there. But to me, 
it's a win-win to have a city a city uh, game. And, you know, again, how many games do people really go to a year? The people that are tweeting that are freaking out. Maybe one or two or three. Well, there's a million ways to get there now instead of zero. Because before public, tra- public transportation, you couldn't get to it. You had to go into the city and then get on the subway and then subway down. Now you can the just go right, right to the arena. The funniest thing I've seen that's come out of this, the funniest complaint is – Sixers Twitter is now saying, oh, well, where can we tailgate now? I have been to probably about 10 Sixers games in my life. I have never once seen a singular Sixers tailgate in my entire life. It was just the funniest complaint. Like, it's not existent. Like, you're making problems that never existed to begin with. Like, who's going to want it? It's one thing to tailgate Eagles game in, like, January, but nobody's going to sit out there on a a Wednesday night in February to tailgate a Sixers-Wizards matchup. Like, think logistically here. I'm on the same page. J.A., any final thoughts before we bury this? No, a Sixers-Wizards tailgate would be fun, though, I feel like. But, yeah. Not, not for long media day? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with everything, everything you guys say. It's it's so much cooler when it's downtown. It's, I don't know, you're just more industrialized when you're just in, like, a parking lot next to a warehouse. Yeah, it, it's it's weird. It's I, I, I mean, I get it. I, I understand why they build it there. There's room, there's space, all that stuff. But, like, I don't know. Reinvent how we do it, Philly. Get people in that city more. It's a great city. I love my time there. And, uh, you know, I think I think it'd be really good for the city. All right, what do we got about Soldier Field? Who wants to read that one? Because there's some interesting things going on. Jack, what do you got? Soldier Field? You, what is that, Jay? Or Jay's got it. I'm sorry. Got Jay's it. got it. Jay's got it. You want to read for me. All right. Uh, well, it's okay. Uh, you so you lose, Jack. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's cool, though. Um, so the in Chicago, Soldier Field, I've never been – I've, I've just watched games there in the wind. It's, it's howling. It's right on the lake and it's always cold and freezing. Well, uh, Chicago Mary, Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot has come up with three different proposals, uh, like, you know, artist renderings of what soldier field could be made into. One of them was a dome. The other is like a multi-use stadium. And I don't know, they're, they're trying to increase the capacity because the bears are sniffing around moving from soldier field to a place out in Arlington international race course, uh, which is in Arlington Heights, uh, Illinois. But uh, I, I'm all for a dome, especially if you're playing in Chicago where the weather sucks all year or in the wintertime. So I, I want to hear Colin's take on this because I can only speak to it from watching it on TV. He lived it. I did live it. I did actually live in Arlington. I drove past the track every day on the way to work. I know that exactly where the track is, and that would be like putting a stadium in – uh, let's see, Glen Burnie for the Maryland people. And then it'd be like putting a stadium in Doylestown, Pennsylvania for the Pennsylvania people that listen to our show. Uh, you know, it, it's just, you're in the middle of, not in the middle of nowhere, you're in neighborhoods and it's a nice neighbor and all that stuff, but it's like awkward place to put a stadium and it's outside the, outside the, outside the city. The Bears facility is outside the city, about 40 minute, 45 minutes north. So it'd be closer to the facility, but I digress. Soldier Field, amazing place. You know, people complain about the new Soldier Field, which I think is stunning. People complain about it, but hey, people complain about everything, as we know here, not for long media. But it's still a beautiful place to play. Unbelievable. So humbled I got to play some preseason games there and be a part of the Bears for a year. But there's a lot to unpack here. Yes, I love the cold weather games. I think it's awesome. I think it's cool. It, it, the tradition and the snow and, you know, Dick Butkus and, you know, Devin Hester juking people in snow and all that stuff is so cool to me. Erlacher and Julius Peppers, like all that stuff is awesome. But folks, 
this is business. This is huge, huge business, which sucks, right? But that's why I'm able to talk to you. That's why we have one listener or a thousand listeners on this show is because of the NFL. And really for the city, again, we talked about the impact of the city. They can't have events there past January, February. It's still freezing cold in the playoffs there. But they can't have events in that stadium. That thing sits vacant till when? May? So that's five months, give or take, really, of lost revenue. And if you dome it, that's my argument with MetLife Stadium, with Zach L when he came on. He's got a dome it. You can't dome it. You can't. It's New York. That could have been a March Madness heaven between Madison Square Garden and there. You're in the media and inter- inter- you have two NFL teams there. It should have been domed. It should have been Jerry's World on steroids, a mall, all the Christmas shopping. It should have been chaos up there. Like it should have been just a month connected to the racetrack across the street. Like make it just an absolute beast. So I- I'm in favor of doming things. I really am. As much as I hate to take away the tradition of football and the cold weather because I do value it, make it a retractable roof. Hey, make it a snow game. You know, make it retractable of some scent. Make it if it's cold out and you want it to be cold, then you're involved in Chicago. But once the football season's over, close the dome, have concerts, have things. And what's that do again for the economy? February, March, April, May. People are spending money in the city of Chicago, enjoying the city, keeping it safe. Money's being spent. Right. So at the end of the day, like economy wise, like think past just like how it affects me. Right. In fact, I got to sit in a little bit of more traffic. I don't want to go. So, you know, I got to take the 737 train, even though I want to leave at 730. Think about the grand scheme. And I think the grand scheme is, is you know, in our world, it's, I think it's more important. That's my opinion. So I think the impact of a dome economically is huge because you're around in these big cold cities. You're able to get things done. Should you ever put a dome on Green Bay? No. No, because there's not a city at Green Bay. There's nothing there other than neighborhoods. It's a beautiful place. People got to go. It's unbelievable. But Buffalo is the same thing. It's a little neighborhood and a stadium. Don't dome it. Nothing goes on there. You know, it's it's you know it's different. But but cities like that where you're in downtown Chicago, beautiful city. Love that city. I think I think you got to dome it. I think you do and open it, retract it for the winter for the the games. Why not? You know, so. That's my opinion. What do you guys think? Go ahead, Jack. I don't know. I think I'm all for it. I, I'm the only. I mean, I'm all for everything you said. I just, I don't see the players willingly. If you're like, oh well, if we have a retractable roof and it's snowing, I, th- I feel like every player, even on your own team, is going to just say, put the roof up. They don't want to play in the snow. I just think. I mean, like, I'm all for everything you said. I just don't see that roof ever being open in the winter, regardless. I don't think the players or anybody will be for it. Ja, what do you think? I don't know if they honestly I don't know if they go retractable roof or not. I feel like if you're gonna do it, it's gonna be like a hard, like a hard dome situation. But I mean you would lose the bare weather that we get in December, but you know, you'd also probably lose the Cody Parky double doink. So the fun thing that people don't know about the Cody Parky double doink that no one talks about is it got blocked. That ball got blocked. Tipped by fingertip and changed it. I forget what defensive tackle it was. I remember that. It was like the, you you have to look at like super slow motion zoomed up and you can see the angle gets changed minimally and drastically affected at all. It, that's huge. And it still almost went in. And I know Cody and I love Cody. It was really cool. And it all went to a mess, you know, after that. But fun fact, I, I think I may have, 
you know, there was talks that I could have went back to Chicago after that preseason, after that game, if the Bears won because they were short on tight ends, they had some injuries. So it affected me too. You know, as much as the Eagles people were happy, I was not happy ever. <laughs> so hey, it was all speculation. You know, my agents thought at the time that we could end up back there. But yeah, long story short, uh, I don't. I think you got to go with the dome. I, I think it's got to be retractable. I think it's got to be retractable. You want to keep the Bears thing cold? Great, keep it cold. You got a team coming up. Uh, you know, Tampa's coming into Chicago for the playoff game. Retract the roof. Why not? To your advantage. But spend the money. You know, on making it right. It's a great city. It's right on the water. You got to visit that city. So it's good stuff. It's good stuff out of YouTube, boys. And anything else before we wrap up? I think we covered everything. Jack in the back, Justin Ayers. Guys, check out Breaking Bats. Guys that listen to our pods, you know, Justin hosts the show with Brian O'Grady. It's first class what they do uh, baseball-wise, you know, just anything, but just baseball-wise what they do, their fun rankings, all their business. The way they go, their business is great. You know, they have big guests. People aren't doing that in the baseball world, really. If you look around, not really. Um, And what we're doing here, I'm really proud of. I know they are too. Uh, appreciate both you what you guys do. I'm excited to get you guys to training camp. It's going to be fun. Uh, I'll be working. You guys will be working, running around. I can't wait for you to show somebody my face and for them to say, I have no idea who that guy is. Who the hell is he? Uh, I can't wait. And that's going to be all over social media. It's going to be fantastic. Everybody, if they guess me, we're, are we giving them a buck? We got to figure that out. Yeah, that I might mean, be. I think the prize pool at the Jersey Shore is they're giving $50 if someone can name who you are. Watch well, it be nice. like one of my old coaches. <laughs> Thank you. Shout out to Ryan Wall for commenting. I know that guy is. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate you tuning in from Facebook. But you're the man, Ryan. Check out Los Gringos in Tampa, right near the stadium. Place is fantastic food. Yeah, I should tell them to stay away from anybody who's got like Archbishop Wood stuff down the shore. That'll be an easy. Please, thing you know, we're doing well here at Not for Long Meeting, but we can't just be handing fifty dollars bills out. Why? It's going to be like some youth coach or some like parent that. Know, oh man. God bless. They're going to ask someone from Fudge Kitchen. They'll be like, uh, it's Colin? What? <laughs> They'll go in and ask the, the workers. Do you know this man? Oh, man. Well, guys, I appreciate it. I appreciate our friends over at Fudge Kitchen again. Fudgekitchens.com. Shipping fudge and sweet treats across the country. Saltwater taffy. Oh, fire. I sent some to someone last week. They were jacked. They didn't know it was coming. It was a great gift. Great surprise. Um, so, again, treat something. Treat someone you care about to something sweet. Um, you know, it goes a long way and, uh, you know, you never know what people are going through this world. So you get to send them a little package, a little fudge or some sweet treats. It's going to turn their week around. So, uh, shout out to our friends at SeatGeek going to a game, promo code Colin Thompson, $20 off any purchase, $50 or more. Got to take advantage of that. And then again, so I'm sleep. You're up trouble sleeping. This, this shit changed my life. Honestly, like point blank period. I'll be dialed in on all season long. Some sleep, get some sleep, 10% off promo code Colin. We all have a promo code at all our podcasts, so appreciate all of you guys supporting us. Bar of the Week, CVU in K-Man, New Jersey. We talked a little bit about the Sixers. We talked a little bit about the new stadium and, and the positive effects of a city economically it can have. Uh, it's tremendous. I think it's a huge ripple effect of only good, uh, not bad in my opinion. And uh, we talked a little Bears. So some big sports markets, lots of talk, lots going on in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And we got Sean Latham coming up. So, again, I appreciate everyone supporting us. Thank you to our sponsors. And uh, we're going to send it over to this hysterical, funny, witty, 
the great John Layden. All right, all right, all right. The great Sean Latham is in the house. Chef, comic, do-it-all, actor, cornhole master. What's going on, brother? Not much, buddy. I'm just here in Indianapolis. Just got back from Louisville doing some filming down there. Uh, And, you know, just enjoying my afternoon getting to hang out with you here on this uh, wonderful podcast. I appreciate the invite. Oh, we appreciate you coming on. Formerly $20 Chef, for those that don't know, the man... Uh, was killing it at Barstool, killing it with Twenty Dollar Chef. Comic, you got stuff going with Cornhole. What, what, what were you filming this past week? Um, well, I got Cornhole. I'm I'm filming this show right now called Road to Airmail City. So you got 256 Cornhole professionals, and there's also a, a you know a, a minor league basically with about 340 uh, those guys in there. PVC quality professional development PDC the professional development something. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, I tend to smoke some weed, and I occasionally lose. On the outside, I lose a couple of the acronyms. Um, and so, how much weed? Do you what, what happens is that the, you know, you have, um, you know, I don't. It's not about. I, I smoke a lot, like as far as if you count how many days in a row. But I don't smoke copious amounts. I'm just taking a few bowl rippers and keeping it moving. You know, I don't need to smoke an ounce anymore. A couple of bull rips, you know, a couple of little puffy, little puffskies, and I'm good and go till late afternoon, okay. you know. All right, I just want to, I just um, want to feel your vibe, but continue. So what happens is, yeah, you know, a couple. I think I got a little rippers on the way downtown into here to come uh, to come to this sweet establishment patio and record. You're the man. Uh, you know, so, so they got five national on. events. Where are you? Did you right? go some corner Wi-Fi? Pro. Where are you? Is that a beer? What's that? Is that a beer? Where are you? Yeah, I'm at a. I, my, I'm at. Well, I didn't. I didn't have my. The internet at my house went down. So, my friend, where I'm staying with my friend, and uh, here in Indy, while I'm in Indy, so I had to. My my other buddy owns a bar with a patio with pretty good internet. So that's where I came. Gritty. It's called the Oakmont downtown Indy. Shout out to the Oakmont. So I just set up. I just set up shop in their patio. It looks great. You got good light. You got a beer, a mic. Continue with your story, though. What were you doing filming wise? I'm sorry. All right, no, no. So, so uh, the cornhole pros—they got five national events. There's a whole bunch of other events that are on TV, but those are the, these are the five events that that decide. Uh, the four nationals decide who's going to be the MVP, who's the you know player of the year, who's the number one ranked player on down. Mm-hmm. Well, then they have the world championships, which is next weekend in South Carolina. Uh, so what happens is the top eight men and the top eight women are in at the end of the the four nationals. I'm sorry, at the end of the fifth national those two the top eight men top eight women get invited to a tournament an invitational at shamar moore's house for a hundred dollar prize pot so it's just eight teams though going for the 100k so that's what they're playing and that's what i host i have a show called road to airmail city shamar moore's house called airmail city so we're just trying to follow along to see which eight men and which eight women are going to make it and then eventually who's going to win the hundred thousand and kick it be kicking it in la that's what you know they're so that's what that's the one thing, one of the things. But I also do their vlog, and I do a lot of social media for the ACL. I just love cornhole, man. Now, your cornhole passion, where did it stem from? Because it's taken off, right? You're cooking Johnsonville sausages. You're a chef. You get the, you know, it's kind of comical too, because it's like, it's a, you know, it's it's not a funny game, but it's a comical game where like we're in the backyard now. Yeah. We've turned, now we've turned pro. <laughs> Plus, you're cooking sausages, getting yeah, paid, exactly work TV. So where would it come from? 
Uh, you know what? Just being in Pat McAfee's office, just playing, being in Indiana, you know, hanging out with all my friends that I made while I lived here, playing in backyards, and then, but mostly, it really started to get deep rooted at the Pat McAfee office in the early in the early time because a bunch of guys that were playing and we had our own little like wars going on uh, amongst the staff. Obviously, Pat was better than everybody, even though he barely played the least amount. But uh, that's where it started, and then it just kept growing and then, until I got to Barstool, and then the actual Cornhole League came to Barstool, and I became kind of like the liaison guy. I was like the Cornhole guy, and they started inviting me to like these celebrity events to host them and shit like that. And I just kept grinding. When I stopped working at Barstool, I just kept on wanting to work with Cornhole. You mentioned, and you said, obviously, Pat McAfee was the best Cornhole player out of the group. Is Pat just a freak yeah. athlete at everything? Everything. Golf, basketball, um, um, cornhole, and anything that the guy just locks in on, it just somehow you just, I mean, whatever it is, it's just done. It's over. You told some great Pat McAfee stories last time you were on. The Jet, you know, going to Tampa to watch a playoff game in hockey. You know, you and I talked about Pat before, how much I respect him, how much you you respect him. Now, but since last time you were on, you were our second guest in the reboot of the Collins Thompson show, not for long media. And, you know, we talked about Pat, that was a year and a half ago, two, two January's ago. And, you know, Pat was successful. Now Pat is on the Mount Rushmore of sports talk radio in the entire country. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like Pat Cowherd, uh, PMT and big cat. And like one other national guy. Maybe, maybe the pardon, the actual pardon might take guys, or yeah. the actual pardon, whatever. The I don't even. I, I'm so much more into the pardon might take with with Big Cat that I forgot the actual regulars with Tony Kornheiser and fucking what's his name. Yeah, I those guys the are actual good. show name. But they have yeah, a those guys show. Just, you know, yeah, like that's when it comes thing, to yeah. like actual like podcasts or radio shows that are three hours long. Pat's. I mean, yeah, no, no one's well, no one's touching it, and no one's well, going to ever. What makes his show? I met so that good? dude. I don't, dude, I don't know. He's just a magic dude. I met that, I've met like, you know, I've, I did comedy in 15 years in LA and I've, you know, I've gotten opportunity to rub elbows with, you know, not that I'm good friends with any of these people, but I'm friends with a few here and there, all these different celebrities and these different, I know, absolute beasts in business of entertainment. And he's just, there's just something different about the dude. And until you get around him and feel his energy and like let him and get sucked in on his team. It's just, it's different. I already knew, like, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to war with this dude. This guy's the fucking man, bro. And, he, and he's like my buddy, you know? It's like, we were very similar in a lot of things that we just laughed so hard while we we're hanging out. And I, would, I mean, I, call, I used to call him Neo from the Matrix. I'm like, this is the dude. Like, this is the dude. And it's obviously clear that <laughs> I think I just heard today on one of his clips that he just turned down some mega kabillion million dollar deal because he's like, nah, I don't like that. I don't like the terms on that one. It's really? Like, yeah, you know, I'm good on that, whatever, however many. Billions and millions that is you know oh wow now Jesus, i need like you talk about guys like yourself like pat people that stepped away from barstool for whatever reason it is whether you're shown the door they they you know they bounced you you got crew um whatever those reasons are but you have respect for barstool i know you do you have respect for dave for what they do there what makes that place so great because they've changed the game right they've changed media companies i, I talk about yeah. it here not for not for long media man when i explain what we do we went from my show to now six. We want to grow. I think I hope to have 10 by, you know, the new year 
fully functioning, producing. I have our team produce people that have podcasts. You bring your podcast to us, we'll produce it. You're talented. You want to start one with us, we'll find a way to start it. That's what we do. And that's, I mean, we're not doing that without Barstool. They're trailblazers in that sense. Yeah, because I don't think anybody ever really just thought about the idea of just taking all of the aspects you need in this and putting it under one roof and then also letting them argue with each other and not be like a regular office. You know, shit happens in an office that anywhere else, you're gone, bro. It's like you are, there's not a place on earth that you could do that type of shit. You know what I mean? Rico Bosco fucking flinging high noons at another kid's head. You know, like that's assault at a fucking tech company, you know? Yeah. Um. I don't know. I. I just. It's just the leadership. I. I think like, how Dave always just the way he did it, but also just having the brains to being like, all right, let's get a producer. Let's get guys who can edit and do graphics and social media, and get the talent guys, and then get the writers, and then let me just make fun of a whole bunch of them and let fucking people, because people love that when the people get clowning on, you know, getting clowned on. Um, no doubt, man. They, they have to run, and now man. it's like, and you're doing it right. Like, I mean, listen, getting all that under. I mean, was your ultimate goal what? To have a dope-ass office where everybody's at, working out of? I think that's cool, but I also think that's hard to do. And nowadays, with our world we live in, you can live anywhere you want. You can have other jobs. All of the people that work for us and, you know, with us here at Not For Long Media, they all have other jobs. They all have other lives. They all, you know, hey, listen, I can't work this weekend. Can somebody step up and help me out? So it's more like a group of people of that have other interests that value what we bring here, not for long media, what I bring as Mm -hmm. the founder and as a host and say, yeah, I want to tie this with my resume. I want to work my ass off, be with some cool people, meet some people and see where it goes. Yeah. But I'd love to have people full time and do all that stuff. Sure. But it's not manageable. Yeah. Essentially growth. Yeah. It's not scalable, but I I don't know. I think there's an advantage. So like, Hey, listen, you don't have to be here. Like our team in person. I probably only met half the people in in person. Which Literally. is even real cool because just knowing you can, you know, if you want to get it done, that's it. If you want to get it done and you have the means, then you're going to get it done. And that's just, that's what I also love right now with with the barstool model. Like I, I left and I'm like, why aren't more people doing that? And now I'm starting to see it happen more and more. But you're like, why aren't more people doing? And they are. Like I used to work at Maker Studios in L.A. writing for Gabriel Glacius' sketch show he had there for a while we were getting you know i'd be in the sketches i wrote but i mostly wrote you know we'd be there four days a week or whatever writing for eight hour days you know on this on his sketch show called damn tv he had going you know and you had uh you had uh ray johnson ray william johnson in the studio next door they were doing it there but they never had that like uh they never brought it all together i didn't like they never brought it all on the same floor it was just it, it was all very individual and I think that's what he did mostly, because there's these, there are these content houses. Yeah. At the end of the day, TikTok house is nothing more than a fucking barstool sports, but except only in a residence. Yeah. You know. Right. I like the fact. I think that again for us, it's like, hey, bring people in that want to work hard, want to, you know, sure, want to produce, want to produce, want to create, find new ways to get it done. I always say, do what you do best, and then we'll find what you don't do, and we'll have somebody teach you that. But do what you do best and kill it. So speaking of killing it. Talk about the birth of $20 Chef because you have a huge following. You're great at it. It's fun. It's spontaneous. It's cool. I think a lot of people like to cook now. And if they don't like to cook, they like the idea behind it. It's a lot of couples going to the grocery store. It's not like oh yeah, the old school yeah. way, like the female cooks and the male works. It's both people work cook. They Now, maybe a, a guy only cooks X, Y, and Z. And 
you know, the, the gal or whatever you are in your relationship cooks X, Y, and Z, but now it's a community of, of cooks and it's like people share their food. It's way different. So talk to talk to me about it. Um, you know, I, I do enjoy the shift. And I, I think that if you're a young person in a relationship and you, you do enjoy cooking, you have to make sure that you have the balance with your person. Cause it like, like whenever I cook, whenever I pretty much cook the entire meal, my lady is all about, you know, on the back end, you know what I mean? Like she'll be in charge of like making sure she's getting everything cleaned up and squared away. But like when she cooks more, I do the back end, you know, like number one, you got to have that balance. But, um, I just like a quick tip there for anybody. I just make I sure that, that. If you're, you know, you're younger. You, you, you want to have that. Like you can't re- let person, one person, you can't rely on that one person to do everything because then it won't, it goes from an activity to be, to, and then you start to get resentment in there. Yeah. So and then now you take away the love of that. No doubt. It's something you That's, can do. Together. Yeah. I love it. I mean, Sydney and I, it's like, well, what are we doing for dinner tonight? It's like, all right, we're going to hit the store. We're going to bounce around the store. Mm-hmm. These tomatoes are good. They're farmer's markets. Like there's, yeah. I think it's, I think it's helped. Just think about the ripple effect in the economy of business. Then we're going to get to $20 chef and kind of the birth of it and where it is now. But like, if you think about that, right, when it comes to this economics, like I'm going to have a foodstagram, I'm going to post food. Oh, great. There's a, there's a farmer's market nearby. I'm 25 years old. I'm 28 years old. Like my wife and I, we're going to go to a farmer's market. People that are 28 don't go to a farmer's markets. Well, they do now because now I could post a picture of these fresh berries and these tomatoes and these onions yep. and these peppers and oh there's a juice here let's try this green juice perfect so like that affects all those economies of eating cleaner eating healthier but also maybe having a beer and a supporting cocktail small business also exactly so it it's unique in that sense where everyone's like social media sucks well it pays a lot of bills it pays a lot of bills it goes it way sure deep like they post a picture on the annapolis whatever social media page where we live here in maryland Oh, there's a farmer's market at the stadium. Boom. When you're the stadium, we walk right over. So don't tell me it sucks because we went and spent. No, it's 150 great. Bucks at, the, at the market. Yeah. And you're, you're doing nothing but supporting small business. You're supporting local communities. You know, you could also have like this romance involved there because you could get flowers there for your lady. And there's always just something, you know, you're in that natural aspect when you're uh, doing your thing, you know, with you, like something that small and mundane. Mm-hmm. And then it just ends up being. Uh, just this perfectly, just a perfect morning, a perfect Sunday morning walk or whatever. For no you know, but overall, twenty dollars chef was just more about like I, I'm not Gordon Ramsay, man. I ain't never gonna be because I don't have that level of intelligence to even re- remotely remember and come up up with what he's done. But I cooking, you know, I like I like being outside. I like vegetables. I like cooking vegetables. I love the taste. And you know what, honestly, when it came to cooking, for me personally, outside of saving money from being a broke comedian, you can't eat out every time, was the uh, as having extra. Like, I love being a – I'm a fat horse, and I want to eat all the leftovers. So when you cook for yourself, there's usually – I mean, I'll cook like there's three or four people eating. And I just and I just get the Tupperware out. And I'm – you know, I know now that I, in two hours, if I'm hungry, even a little bit, I come right back in. I got a whole big fat bowl of something in here. Two different bowls of this. I got this stuff already cut up. Like I just like being a fat horse with options, and um, and then just getting stoned and cooking and having all that in the refrigerator. I remember when I first got like one of my when I first started kind of have a job where I made extra money. Where I could, you know with this bartending job, we got this dope apartment in Mesa, Arizona, and me and my roommate were both doing pretty well. You know, considering you know where we were and our you know our age and all that and. And I remember going to the grocery store. And we used to decide we were going to spend two hundred bucks each at the grocery store. I remember I was like, "All right, we're going to get we got we're going to get four. 
I remember we came home and we had such a level of pride and so much. We felt so good when we opened that. After we got everything unloaded and we had the refrigerator and the cabinets packed. I mean, just opening the refrigerator felt magical at home. That little tiny moment that normally is just some bullshit moment. I remember opening up like, man, what am I going to eat right now? You know, what am I going to, what's my move here? I got so many options, you know, food just makes you feel good. That's why somehow I just glad my shit all tumbled down into the food, the food alley. Yeah. And at the right time too. Right, bro. Like literally like $20 chef, man, it, it, it really took off. Is there like certain guests that you were jacked that, you, you know, that you were like, wow, I can't believe I had this person come on or certain people follow you or certain people interact with you through $20 chef or just your personal stuff. Yeah, you know, um, my favorite, like my my favorite little like giddy part of of this whole operation of getting fans that you never thought you'd get was uh, Mike Dirt from Green Day. Hits one day follows me, he starts commenting on my videos, and I'm like, "What is this, Mike Dirt?" And uh, and then you know we start chit chatting in the DMs and shit. He starts replying to my stories, and we start talking, and uh, and he starts he's telling me he's like, "Man, I used to cook so much seafood back in the day at this restaurant." And I used to take all my recipes home and I would cook. And then I just went away and, you know, obviously with music and everything, I just left. I left cooking. And then I found your channel. I don't know how I found it, but I just started watching all your shit. You got me so motivated. And I love what you did. I started cooking again. And now I cook. And my lady said, thanks. And I was like, what? He even gave me like my knife that I use in all my videos, my Messermeister. Uh, he got, he had that custom made for me and sent that to me, bro. That's like one of the coolest. Like, I'm going to have that knife when I'm 180. Like in a thing, like it has me, he has my name on the blade, $20 chef. Um, the Messermeister nice, by the way, no free ads, but unbelievable quality. I mean, we're talking about next level Japanese fucking steel here, guys. <laughs> no free shout outs, but a free shout out to Messa Knives. Yeah, they're, they're great, great knives. I always, uh, they just, they just look nice and they feel good in your hand. Comic, you know, a good knife is huh? so important. It is so important. We got one from some friends here. We moved to a new house and we, we have had, we got great knives. Like the only thing on our registry was like cash for our honeymoon and then a baller knife set. Like yeah. A nice one, you know, and bang, someone got it for us. And it's been, it's been a game. It's changer. a different nice. It, it makes you want to cut vegetables. Like all, I got, I, all my family had those little boxes on the table with the, you know, the little, the weird different knives. And then they got the little steak knives. So there's high quality of that. But for the average American household that just has that one little thing of knives in their countertop with you know the steak knives and like the weird knives and all the extra knives bro i got like four knives that's all i need i got yeah. my four i got my four swords i'm ready to go to work on some cucumbers or crab or steak or chicken or whatever i gotta do is there anything you're whipping up lately that you're just in love with a couple things one definitely is uh i, I cook on a flat top griddle most week most of the time right now I'm just, there's just so many options, you know, you can, what you can do. And then not to mention just dinner options, but meal options from breakfast on up. But I've been going hard with the garlic shrimp fried rice mm. and, uh, you know, and I, and I, and I do taco man a lot. I do taco man a lot. I, I got jalapeno out there. I just eat radish, cucumber on the side. I got tortillas. I make chicken. I've been, um. I always like pastor, you know, pastor tacos, you know, and you could do that same flavoring pastor with, with chicken as well. Um, uh, I, I, I cook, I just like cooking that flat top. I love like, a lot of Mexican food. It's mostly food and tortillas, steak, shrimp, chicken, 
uh, you know, whatever it's marinated chicken, whether it's, you know, some sort of, you know, acachote where, you you know, that's where the pastor is going to come from or, you know, or, or soy sauce. A lot of Asian, a lot of Asian, a lot of Mexican on the laptop. It is so good. We got a Blackstone. No free shout outs, but shout out to Blackstone. On yes, sir. Real meal prep wise. It's the, it's the move, dude. It's, it's the move. The Blackstone's the move. I, I, people said, oh, grill. I would trash your grill. I would not spend the three fifty on a grill, four hundred on a grill. Great, I get the charcoal and I get all that. But listen, you may yeah, do yeah. that. You may do that once a week. You can use that flat top for three meals a day. I've boiled water on the top of it because it gets so hot. Like you got the pasta. Yeah, rolling. well, that's how you clean it, also. Yeah, I mean, dude, just yeah. N- um, and also a little hot tip. Make go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say uh, olive oil on the onion. Once it gets good and hot, start scrubbing. Scrub your uh, your your, your uh, flat top down. Whatever's happened with that onion is leaving some sort of residue that just makes shit way less sticky. So that when it's cleanup time, I mean, it's way less cleanup, way less elbow grease getting all that crap up. Got it. I love well, it. You know, you cook with a lot of sauce. I heard a little lemon too. A little bang, a little lemon on there when you're done. A little squeeze, a little lemon. Hey, that, that lemon can never hurt. I I, I, I want to look and to see how that does as far as the. Uh, you know, making sure that you're um, you have that oil base. I forget what the hell I'm, I'm having a brain fart right now. When you break in your cast iron skillet, you know, and all that, it's the called bacon um, and all that. Yeah, what's it called? It's up my mind too. Uh, let's transition though. Uh, I do the same up. thing. Yeah, well, I want to transition though because we could talk food all day. You and I are gonna be talking food all day, and we got yeah. about 10, 10 minutes left or so. But I want to talk to base on comic stuff. Like, what? How's that all world right. going? Like, I want. I almost want to say like. Tell us a joke, but I don't want you to tell us a joke. I want to tell us like a good story from the road, something comedy wise that you loved, a crazy fan. Like, tell me first off what you're up to now, and then maybe transition to a good story from the road. Uh, right now, I'm. I just I just did Lexington, uh, the comedy club in Lexington, Kentucky, called Comedy Off Broadway. Incredible club. It's got some comedy clubs have this like historic vibe in it. When you're in there, it's like you can just feel like this place is just built for this art form. I actually had a producer come and, and video uh, video that whole thing. I thought I'm getting it edited now because I just got I'm a crowd work guy these days, so I need to get the crowd work done. Uh, I wanted to film it, you know. I need to get both angles from filming the crowd work because that's a lot of clips right now is the crowd work. Um, that's and that's what I want to get, and I got a lot of good stuff, so I'm waiting to have that out. Um, you know, I'm in a weird position booking wise because I'm at a level where you need an agent, but I don't have one. Like I can get my own stuff, but I'm saying like to really go bananas, um, you got to have that agent that gets you those 20 weeks in a row, you know, type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but working on that with my manager for next year, um, you know, I, I, I a lot of stuff, a lot of my comedy also. I when I'm writing stand up, I'm using it in Twenty Dollar Chef as bits that I'm just like coming up off the skull. I can really get away with working on a bit on Twenty Dollar Chef because there's no expectations of funny from the stage. You know, I can just get the words out and make it you know and and then cut back from that the fat off of the idea which is what com you know you always have the idea you start rolling out the joke and then you got to find out where you got to cut you know what words don't want what lines you don't need what lines are useless um and then so i i do enjoy that about 20 dollar chef is working on being able to just work on bits on this on the show and then do the do the bits on on stage and go, you know, then really kind of get it, try to focus in and get it uh, honed in. Oh, uh, you know, one of my favorite 
I always say this one. I don't know why. I guess it was just like such a culture shock that I had never seen. I mean, uh, I remember. So I used to go to the Bay Area when I was living in L.A. doing stand up. I started getting a lot more work in the Bay Area before I got in L.A. I'm on really good stages up there. So um, so I started going up there a lot. But, you know, I bartended. So I would work my shifts. I'd you know pull five, six, seven days in a row, save my dough up, be able to have my bills paid. And then I can just jam up to San Jose or San Francisco for five days and just sleep on my, my comedian buddy's crouches and just do sets, you know. Yep. And um, I had a buddy named Chris Thorin. He's a comic, really funny comedian out of the Bay Area. And uh, he lived above this bar on like 98th and International in Oakland. Which is that's pretty deep in the trenches, I'm pretty certain. And uh, he had this apartment above us. It was, it was mainly like an older black black bar. It was mostly a black clientele, the old elder range. And we used to go down there and party, have the best time in this sweet little locals. Native. And uh, but at night, bro, I didn't know how. When he said that his corner got lit, I go because he only paid like five hundred dollars a month for this monster ass apartment above this bar and i'm like bro how come your rent's so cheap man this is a monster ass place he's like well how about you just spend the night bro and then watch out the windows and i'm like you know i've seen a lot of shit already at this point in my life i'm like there's nothing i'm really gonna be surprised at by my when i'm 30 years old dude i remember i didn't go to sleep till seven in the morning because i was running from window to window watching shit unfold between like police activity truckers prostitution gang violence I mean, I watched, I never saw a pimp and hoe activity. And <laughs> I'm saying like, like, like dudes yelling at Pete girls. And I'm feeling, I mean, I felt horrible, but it was just like the most culture shock watch. And it was like a five hour episode, bro. I ran, I'm talking police involved, 18 wheelers pulling over in the neighborhood. G- girls like squaring off in the middle of the street. And then some guy just pulls up in a minivan in the middle of the street while they're fighting. And just pops the door open, and one just jumps in, and the guy drives off, while the other guy's yelling about get what he's about get about getting his money. You know, like it was literally shit you thought only happened on TV, and it happened, bro. And it was happening for five straight hours. Cops didn't even like do shit about half of it. They would just drive by with their horns on. All right, everybody, get the fuck out of the street and get the hell home. Shit like that, just yelling, like like parental. Like p- parent type shit, kid stuff. Because you can't say, yeah, what are you going to do? Mean, that just randomly came to my skull. I love that, though. But this I just remember, I, I was one of the most culture shocking, just like, what is happening? Oakland is buck. What? Too Short is not lying, bro. If you want to, if you like, like, honestly, Too Short music is exactly what, and I've been a Too Short fan since I was a little kid, you know? And uh, that was like the, some of the first bad words I heard was hearing Too Short say it. Outside a two live crew album, and uh, man, Oakley gets buck wild, bro. Okay, duly noted, duly noted. <laughs> patio, a little patio story there. Yeah, you're not on the, the greatest road one, but I, I'll, you know, listen, I'm gonna force well, you I to take me back on a lot, and I'll tell you more. Listen, you're, yeah, so you to be, if you guys want to see local. some adventure, go to 98th International about 3 a.m. <laughs> if you're bored with your life, come What's to that? Oakland, California, and you can find entertainment at a high value. 98th international there it is hey so what is you know what's the comic world look like like right it's business so it's not a friendly place right just like the nfl just like pro any pro sport just like any business you know it's it's unforgiving you know you're in you're out you know 
that people always say, and the minute you put you put your fist in a you know a bucket of water, and the quickest you can pull your hand out, it shows you how fast you can be replaced. You know, when you pull your hand out. So I always think like, oh, it's the same thing in our sport. As you chug a beer, I absolutely love that. Uh, you know, what's how ruthless is the comedy business, the entertainment business? You know what? Uh, actually, the comedians themselves, you know, there's a serious level of camaraderie. I would say probably like a lot of the players, not not everybody, but for the majority, you know, because you're out in the trenches together over the years. And, you know, as you keep going, you watch some guys are hot this time and this guy's hot for this while. And it's your turn for a little while, you know, like, um, the, you know, the worst part is just now it's harder ever to get booked because there's so many before you had to be a comedian to get booked. Before 2016, there's not that many guys out there that just had Internet followings with no act, you know, like, but they'll still sell tickets. So at the end of the day, small business at this point is just, I don't know, for lack of better words, I don't want to say sold out. Because, you know, at the end of the day, that's a business. Like, they're not, they don't owe any of us nothing, you know? No comedy club owes me anything. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not paying, I'm not paying waiter staff. I'm not paying, you know, workers insurances and, you know, and and leases and and paying for all these staff. But the difference is it's just harder because there's so many more people because of the internet and um, those guys taking weeks and those guys becoming comedians and doing that kind of thing. So you just got to be sharper and better. And, uh, but also on the business side, you know, you have to have at a certain level, you have to get at certain people that are in your corner that have these, that have these people on speed dial that book the 30 clubs, you know, that could just write your name down and 12 of them, 12 of them weekends in the next, out of the next 16. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of chess going on. And you know, yeah. it, it honestly it forces a guy like me to want to find other avenues, and that's what that's where a lot of this shit else started because you just get tired of battling, uh, you know, for scraps. And uh, you know, my next move, I'm buying, I'm on, the, I'm on the hunt right now for a twenty foot trailer. I'm about to turn it, you know, I turned my buddy's shed barn into a sweet ass bar for a pilot episode of a show a couple years ago, and now I'm doing it to an, I'm going to do it to a mobile trailer now. I'm going to turn a trailer into a bar. Walls come down from the side, become the patio. It's go time. Cornhole tournaments, weddings, whatever, dude. I just want a mobile bar, man. That's what I. And want. you're just gonna be on the move with it? Are you trailing it around? That's what I was gonna do. My own shows, do my own cornhole, do all my own thing. You should, dude. I mean, yeah, listen, just doing like a little tour. You know, you got to turn it in the afternoon. Out. And these then, Mercedes uh, vans are huge. What's that? These Mercedes vans now are huge. Like these pimping out these vans across the country. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's talk about indie though. I mean, yeah, you if you get on TikTok even for five minutes, you're gonna see d- ten. D- Sorry, you, you were you're in and out a little bit, Sean. So What's that? We're, we're, you're in now a little bit, so you're delayed a little bit. But we got to hold on. Uh, you should be good. We should be good. We'll keep it. We'll keep it oh, rolling. There we go. You're back. Yeah, we'll we'll roll. Let's now let's see this, Sean. Talk about indie because you spent a lot of time in indie. Uh, great places to eat. Uh, spend some time out there. Shout out to Tony's Steakhouse downtown Indianapolis. Uh, it's the best. One of our tight one of our tight ends with the Panthers is okay. Dad wait, you want to know about? yeah indie talk about indie so you know what i you know what i want to do i want to be a steakhouse uh, i want to be a, the steakhouse whatever the guy furious steakhouses bro that's the guy yeah um pretty good. so pretty good what, what you were asking me about indie yeah like you spent some time there now you know it's not like it's uh 
South Beach or, you know, Philly, right? It's, it's, it's middle of the country. People are really nice, but like, what's the vibe? Cause it's a populated place. McAfee shows there. There's a lot of big business there. The culture there, the NCAA yeah. is there. There's a lot going on. The vibe in Indy, the vibe in Indy is work hard, play hard. Is what I say. That's what I feel here. I feel like people, they all handle their business. They all got their shit together and they're all going hard when they're not working. And I, you know, whether that means going hard at, you know, partying or enjoying their life to the maximum amount of their ability. Also, if it's, you know, if they're family people, they're going hard there with their children and their family doing fun stuff or building onto their houses or you're just all doing something, you know, and, and they're, they're, you know, trying to, all my business owner friends there are, becoming bigger business owners you know it just that's what i like about here the vibe here is just hustle but also enjoy yourself and make sure that you really um are, are working for a you know for a reason and that you're also enjoying it at what you know and people are at the late going ham but they're back to work monday morning ready to rock and roll you know what i mean that's the vibe i like here love that love that well sadly we got a roll but I love having Sean on. He's a friend. We got projects on the, you know, on the docket in yes, the queue. They, they are coming. We don't want to talk about them yet, but they are coming down the line. Lots of fun stuff. It's going to include me, Sean, some food, some drinks, some good times, and some warm weather. Uh, you could take a guess probably where that is. I'm sure everybody knows where we like to spend our time. But again, <laughs> Sean Latham. People know. Yeah, they do. The do-it-all man. Sean Latham, can't thank you enough for coming on the show, brother. Thank you for having me on. Again, I appreciate you, and I look forward to talking to you again very soon, sir.